Another season in the books. The podcast featuring European professional athletes who pursue their university degrees at home or in the United States. We'll talk about the ups and the downs, the pros and the cons. We'll hear from each athlete as they share their journey through academics and athletics. I'm your host, Leslie Knight, 10-year veteran in Spain's professional basketball league, Liga Dia. Let's get to it. Today's episode features Paulina Hersler, a rookie in her first year competing in Liga Dia. We'll talk about how a 17-year-old Swedish girl attracted international attention and how even with mediocre English, achieved a college scholarship to play basketball at UCLA. What her experience was like in the United States, if she would choose to do it all over again, and what brought her back to Europe. Paulina radiates positivity and has an inner drive that's downright contagious. Paulina, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Well, I'd like to start out from the very beginning, from your roots. Um, What's the first sport memory you have? Well, when I was about 12 years old. uh, And when I think about that, I think about like the Swedish championship. I played with my junior team, you know, we played in the city where I'm from. Uh, We we qualified to like the final and like that's when I started to play basketball. So obviously when I think about that, it's my first year of basketball and good friends that I'm still friends with and good memories. Okay, so you actually started pretty late, 12 years old. That's when you actually started playing basketball? Yes, I know. I was doing like dancing before I played a piano. I don't know what I was doing, but <laughs> I didn't play ba- start playing basketball till I was 12. Yeah. Okay, and so what was it that convinced you to start playing basketball? Why did you make that switch from, you know, dance to uh, the court? <laughs> Well, I've always been tall, right? Let's be real. I'm 6'3", 190. Um, So I was always tall and one of my friends were playing and her mom was coaching a team. So she was like, hey, you know what? You you should try the sport. Mm -hmm. And my dad, he played when he was younger. So Mm -hmm. he was like, just like, you know, suggesting it. It was no pressure, no pushing, nothing. But he was like, hey, you should try it. And I was like, yeah, why not? So. Okay. So your parents were very supportive um, when you decided to make that change. And then when you did start playing, I always wonder what kind of parents uh, people have. Were they the type that, well, you just said they were very supportive. So I'm assuming there wasn't pressure. They weren't trying to give you advice after every game. Well, they've always been very, very supportive. But since my dad, he played yeah, he tried to coach me, you know, from young age. And I mean, I have a lot to thank him for. He did teach me how to shoot, which is, you know, my strengths today. So yes. very thankful for that. But uh, yeah, dad has always been like, you know, there on the side and trying to help me out, help me get better, especially when I was younger. It's been a little harder now since I've been playing in different countries and stuff. But when I was younger, he was definitely a big part of it. Okay, that's that's great to have a dad that played and to give you a little some pointers because you do have a great shot at six three being able to play the stretch four position. Um, so then my next question is: You started at twelve. When did you realize that this could be something important in your life? That this was something you wanted to take seriously? Um, when did you kind of have that little click in your mind? So I got to play with the under-16 national team when I was 15. Mm. So the coach wanted me on the team, and I was like, wow. 
Um, I remember getting, it was an email I got and I was like, what is this? Did I send this to the wrong person? What is this? I had no idea because I was 15 and all the national team recruiting starts when you're 16 and above kind of. So I remember receiving that email and from there on, I was like, wow, there's more than just this little club team. There's more out there. So Mm -hmm. that was definitely a turning point, I would say. Wow. I cannot even imagine starting basketball at 12 and three years later being called from the national team. (laughs) (laughs) That is unbelievable. Oh, thanks. So at this moment, you were playing in a club. And so you were playing, you were 12, 13, 14, 15 years old. And the people in the club were obviously older than that. Yeah, uh, so I started off playing with girls my own age, and then once I got better, I played for the highest league or highest team in that club, which they're still in Division Two, kind of like it wasn't at a great level, but for my age, it was great, and uh, yeah, that's why I continued to develop my game and get better. Okay, um, so then as you got older and you started high school, what was it like balancing your studies and your rigorous basketball? Uh, schedule because I'm assuming you practiced I don't know three times a week or five times a week Monday through Friday games on the weekends um, and I don't know if you then played in multiple teams you know if you played with your level and then you would play up maybe you had two games on the weekends uh, what did that look like yeah it's a good question so when I turned 16 and started high school it was another turning point I would say in or one step towards the professional career because I decided to move away from my home city so when I was 16, I moved to a different team, like uh, five hours from where I live, uh, or even far further, actually, but uh, to play on a better team. So then I was in Divi- like Division One, the highest league in Sweden, mm-hmm. uh, as a 16-year-old, and I went to high school there. And it was a program that was easier to combine professional basketball with school. <clears throat> it's not like college. It's not like, you know, the perfect combination, but it's definitely... A, a easier way to combine it and all my classmates there were athletes in different ways there were some hockey players and track and field players and other basketball players and we all went to the same class so in the mornings we had practice but then we all had the same schedule in school not as intense as high school in the states but definitely some type of like combination and definitely a helpful way to combine the both of them um, so yeah, that would be like in Spain, there's a place called Siglo Uno, which is a high performance academy. Mm-hmm. So did you have to be recruited to go there? Um, was it a scholarship thing or did anybody that wanted to go there or? So anyone could go to the school, I would say, if you're an athlete and you had the right grades to get in. But I was recruited to the club pretty much. Okay. Like I had to, I, I wanted to be a part of, it was Sarotelia where I know you have friends who are playing, like Amy Robbins. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was recruited by the club and the club was connected to the school. So okay. that was kind of the, re- the recruiting process. Okay. And you said when you were 16. So when you were 16, you already moved away from home. You were far away from your parents, uh, your family. And you had to kind of figure life out a little bit and probably see your family maybe on the weekends. But even so, that's a long five, six hour drive. Yeah, I know. I think back back to it now and like, I'm like, wow, I was so young. <laughs> like, I, Yeah, I was 16 and I lived in my own apartment. And uh, I mean, I had friends and their families help, you know, were very helpful and, you know, invited me to dinner and were very caring. But I, yeah, my parents live far away. I maybe saw them once a month or more, once every other month. And yeah, I got a lot and a lot more independent during that. Okay. So when you decided to go to this school and play basketball, 
your mind must have been thinking towards the future. Um, were you at that moment thinking, okay, I want to play professionally someday? Or did you even, were you even aware of the opportunity to play in the U.S. when you were 16? No, I was not. I was thinking I was going to play professional. Yes, I had that as a goal. I knew I was going to do that at some point. But after finishing high school, my, my mind was that, oh, yeah, I'll probably play professional. I didn't know much about college until probably like a year, a year and a half before I finished uh, high school. Okay. And then something that I want to add in here that is uh, interesting that we learned about each other. So when you started, when you were 16 and you went to this club, there was an American player Mm -hmm. playing on the top team that actually uh, is a friend of mine and from (laughs) Minnesota. And that was Angel Robinson, correct? Yes, that's right. It's one of them. There's a lot of Americans. Yeah. Okay. So you were 16 and you were practicing against or practicing with these professional players. So obviously for you, it was very, it was a real life situation, like looking at these women thinking, oh, they're playing professionally. They're living far away from home. This is what they're doing for their job. I could do this someday. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember I felt it was kind of weird. I was like, who are these people? Like, I was so little and a lot of people, you're only allowed to have two Americans on the team in Sweden. So the rest of us were Swedish and we're all a pretty young team, very talented. But then we had this like really good Americans that helped us winning two championships. So yeah, I did start by seeing some great American players coming to Sweden and show us how to ball, pretty much. <laughs> what a small world. I cannot believe that we yeah. have uh, friends in common and teammates in common. Um, so then you finished high school and what happened after that? How was that whole process of being a European somehow getting recruited, um, and then going all the way to the United States? I know that that process is probably pretty complicated because I have a friend that did it for tennis. Um, just a lot of paperwork, exams, passing English exams. Um, how did that work? How did they find you? Yeah, so I I said I didn't know about college till like a year and a half before, which seems like a long time. Yeah, because some people, well, young kids in the States, they start the recruiting process already when they're seventh, eighth grade now. Yeah, and it does take a lot of time. So therefore, I needed a full year to just, yeah, do the whole process because there's a lot of paperwork. You have to apply for your visa. First of all, I had to figure everything out. I didn't know anything about the States. I never, I never visited there. I never been there. Um, but it started off by me playing with a national team and I did really well. So there was a lot of agents, there were scouts from different Mm. universities. And I remember the first person who hit me up was someone on Facebook. Like after the European, (laughs) after the European championship, people start hitting up me on Facebook. Like I got recruited through Facebook, like straight up hundred percent. Yes. If I didn't have Facebook, I would not be in the States. (laughs) I promise. Yeah. That is interesting. Yeah. So I start getting in contact with a lot of coaches there or a lot of coaches there. And um, yeah, you start asking questions. And luckily I had one person who helped me out who's now my agent. His name is Daniel Prince. And he tried to like, you know, sort it out and like try to explain a little bit. But that whole year was just a year of trying to figure out what what I want, uh, where to go. Like I asked so many questions and I mean, I was lucky. I got scholarships offered. So I was very blessed and lucky by having people who wanted to recruit me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think about my recruiting process and my parents were a huge part of my recruiting process, helping me uh, with mail, talking to coaches, questions, taking me on unofficial visits. But obviously in your situation, your parents didn't know about this world either. So it was kind of you just being thrown in there 
blind to having to ask all the questions and figure it out. Were you able to make any visits to schools before committing? Yeah, so I did have a lot of communication over Facebook, as I said. But then after a while, I set up my visits. And uh, at that point, they weren't able to pay for my parents' flights. But so my parents paid for their flights and they came, came with me. So I visited four schools. Yeah. But that was after, actually, some of the coaches flew to Sweden and visited me. So there was some, you know, live interaction before this happened. But, uh, yeah, I kind of had to explain everything for my parents because they didn't know anything either. And just, like, visiting schools, I was so lost, too. Because it's one thing hearing everything over Facebook, whatever. But when you're there and you see it, it's, like, totally different. And a side note, I visited four completely different schools, like... I ended up going to UCLA, which is in Los Angeles, obviously. But I visited Iowa State, which oh. is like in the middle of nowhere, like Midwest. Whoop yes, whoop, <laughs> right? And Florida and Washington. Like I just ended up visiting four completely different places, like uh, based on what they said about them. You know, here this is the bigger thing, or here we focus on the, like, because I didn't know, so I wanted to like you know see what's out there, compare, get my own feelings about it, and then make a decision. That's interesting. I did not know that Iowa State recruited you because the head coach there is a man named Bill Fennelly, yeah. who recruited me as really? well. Of See? course, uh, of course, we because yeah, Minnesota and yeah. Iowa are right next to each other. Uh, yeah. Uh, small world. Yeah, we had dinner, me and Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Went shopping. I think I took him shopping, actually. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm going to have to tell him about that. Um, okay, so then you obviously, after visiting four schools and your parents paying to come over and be with you, I'm assuming you did all these trips at the same time. Yeah. So how long were you in the States? Uh, so there's a rule you have to visit a school for 48 hours only. And I know there were some problems that occurred because like there's flight connection flights. But if you're there for a longer time, we can't technically have you there. So to figure that whole process out with four in a row was kind of challenging. But luckily they took care of it. But it's kind of rare that people do it back to back to back like right. four in a row. Uh, but that's what we did. So I mean, four times two, eight, nine plus traveling. So 10 days, I think we probably went on visits. Wow. And did you do this? Um, were you still in school in Sweden? Yeah, I was. And somehow I was. <laughs> I don't know how I got that much time off. I'm trying to think. Maybe I did it during a break or... Yeah. But no, it was right. It was I was still in school because I committed before I completed my high school in Sweden. So yeah, I was definitely still in school. <laughs> okay. Wow. Interesting. Because I remember taking a weekend uh, to go. But after doing two visits, I was like, this is too much. I can't yeah. imagine doing three more of these. I just want to make up my mind. But with you, I mean... You had no idea and you really wanted to make the most of every visit and make sure that the choice was correct. And Yeah, I mean, for me, it was just so much to take in and it was very, very overwhelming and intense, as you said. But it was also fun and, and an experience for us. We'd never been in the States, any of us. And they took us to all these places and showed us so much. So it yeah. was a win-win. Like, it was fun and I enjoyed it. But also, yes, very overwhelming. Yeah, especially on those official visits because they tend to wine and dine you. Oh, so yeah. I'm sure you guys had a great oh, time. <laughs> I think I gained five kilos or something. Like. Welcome to the United States. Yes. Um, so obviously you knew that you wanted to come to the States to study. Um, but I'm assuming that you had some reservations and some doubts as well. When it came to making that choice, what was it that... Um, pushed you or that motivated you to go to the United States and what was kind of holding you back? Yeah, so at first I, I didn't know for sure, but then throughout my recruiting process and when my eyes, you know, they were, I opened up my eyes for all these 
amazing experiences that were out there. Um, but I would say the main thing why I decided to go... Well, oh, there's a lot of reasons, but yeah. One, that you're able to combine the studies with high prof- or high level basketball at a very, very good way. Like, you could do it in Sweden, but it's very hard. And the Swedish basketball, it's not as good as in the States, obviously. Uh, but then it was also all, all the other things combined. You know, you get to live in a different country where you lear- learn the language. Uh, I honestly was not comfortable with speaking English before going to the States. I, I got... I remember like the first year of high school or before that, my grades in English were like, I mean, I, I had good grades in school, but English was the, like the subject that I was like struggling with. So yes, that part was, honestly, it was hard for me. And I'll think back at it and I'm like, wow, how, how could I even think that? <laughs> but uh, so the language, like learning a new language, living in the States, the whole like college experience. I mean, it's so much more into it than just playing basketball and studying. So just knowing that I will get this whole experience, four years, everything paid for, uh, like playing basketball at such a great level and now I ended up going to UCLA which is an amazing city living in Los Angeles all the things we did with the team like I got to travel I got to see so many things meet so many people and then um, I also tore my ACL during this process during the time I got recruited and that was my second time tearing my ACL in my same knee so I knew rehab was a big part for me in, in order to even play basketball and I know in the States, the rehab or all the facilities and uh, treatment things and everything is way, way better. So for, for me, that was also a big part. I'm like, if I go to the States, I know I, I will be better taken care of in terms of rehab and all that. Okay, so those all sound like positives. Uh, was there anything holding you back? Were you scared? Were you nervous? I mean, you had already been living on your own since you were 16, but this is traveling all the way across the ocean, all the way across the United States. I mean, it wasn't like you were in New York or Florida on the East Coast. You were all the way over on the West Coast. Um, Were you just super courageous and no no worries going into this? (laughs) Uh, I mean, no, of course. I was nervous. I remember that. And I think, yeah, it was just... uh, missing my family part and friends back home I guess that was the hardest thing for me but then also I know myself I'm good with people I enjoy different people uh but home yeah like to be too homesick was obviously one of the things that popped into my mind and made me like a little hesitant um right because you missed Christmas what for five straight years you weren't able to go home Christmas, birthdays, uh, celebrations, anniversaries all that yes Mm -hmm. I definitely missed all that um and yeah i mean i I guess i was scared of just like you know failing like not being able to complete it or the language once again you know like i I could look back at it now and be like okay my first year i wasn't probably myself as much because it was so many new things to adjust and take in and and the language i mean it's great knowing how to speak it but then like when you live it and like you're you're acting the way like you it's your whole life like mm-hmm. rationality everything you do it's a different thing and i i'm a very social person and i know you want to like be able to be myself but I, the first year i felt like i couldn't be that i couldn't be the, the true myself because it's a different language i can't express myself in the same ways you know so i mean that was kind of hard i would say and yeah i mean living away from home it is hard it definitely is i'm not gonna lie but you look at the bright sides and they, you know, they they take over. It's so many more benefits out of it. And I used to say, like, 
this is an opportunity that will never come back. But if you have friends and family that truly loves you, they will always be there for you regardless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, playing for the last 11 years in Europe, I can definitely relate to that. Right. Um, I was in <laughs> Switzerland my first year and they spoke Italian. And I'm a pretty social person too. And I just remember sitting there in the locker room being silent while everybody else talked about I'm assuming they were talking about, how are you? How's your day? You know, talking about their families. And I just sat there in silence and I thought, wow, you know, I can't participate because I don't know how to speak Italian. Yeah, right. And also Americans, they're not super used to international people, you know. And for me, I was one of the only, or it was me and one other girl my first year who was from a different country. But then it ended up just being me. So I was always like the foreigner, always the one with a little bit of an accent Everyone else was straight Americans, you know, 100%, didn't, never been outside of state. So for them, sometimes I was, you know, a little weird. Like, <laughs> you're the foreigner. And I'm like, hell yeah, I'm the foreigner. Like, you know, yeah. so. Well, now I'm thinking your club that you were playing in, I'm sure there were other players uh, around your age that were maybe going through the same process. Did you have any teammates from Sweden that had come over to the States at the same time you did? Yeah, so I would say the year before I went, it was kind of like the breakout year where a lot of Swedish people went to the states and the same like the year I went, <clears throat> the year I went as well. And now a lot of people, a lot of Swedish players go to the states. Um, but there were some of my friends who went the year before me, some of my really close ones. One girl named Amanda Zawi, who's a really good player. I think a lot of people know about her. She got drafted like WNBA. So we were in the same team. I went to the same high school, but she's a year older than me. So she went to the states the year before me. Uh, and she's just one example. I had another really good friend who went to the States. So, yes, there was examples, which made it a lot easier for me as well. Of course. Okay. Yeah, and that's another small world uh, because, obviously, people from Minnesota, they know who Amanda is. She played four years at the University of Minnesota. Uh-huh. And uh, my good friend Kelly Roisland actually helped recruit her. So, um, yeah, when I found that out about you, I just that blew my mind a little bit. But, um, well, that's good. So you, you at least had maybe some people that you could talk to or share your experiences with or yeah. listen to their uh, obstacles that they were having to deal with at their specific schools. Definitely. That helped out. Um, and also, when, like, when I was there, you know, being in the same time zone as them, we could talk and we were in the same world, different places, but same college world, college experience. So that was definitely helpful as mm-hmm. well. And you mentioned earlier that... Um, one of the reasons why you wanted to go to the States was because it was going to be easier to balance uh, studies and playing at a high level. So my next question is, tell us a little bit more about what it would have been like to stay in Sweden, study and play at the same time, and why that would have been so much more difficult than studying and playing in the States. Yeah, so um, applying to university in Sweden, it's they don't look at your athletic performance at all or there's no they're not taking that into consideration at all it's something outside of that there's no combination of universities and high professional sports and anyhow so I would have to apply to a university uh, and be there as a full-time student just like anyone else who wouldn't have any other job or any other sport or nothing so it, it is possible I have friends who combine like university studies and basketball in Sweden but it's a lot of work and the professors professors don't really like 
you know, help out with practices or games, like your school would have to be your number one. And then the coach would have to take into consideration that you have a school or you have a test or something. And you would have to adjust it that way, not the opposite as it is in the U.S. where the school kind of helps you coordinate with practices and stuff. Um, so and it will take up a lot of time because you would have to, you know, go to these places where it's, it's not right by your gym, right? As in college, it's right there. Like you, it could be far away or different time slots. Like it's just so much, so much harder and just, yeah, they're not able to combine this like professional help or professional situation where you, you're able to like do it at the same time. So would you say the majority of players that go to the States are just more serious about their sport and want to maybe play at the professional level or like the Swedish players that went over, they were thinking, okay, I'm going to play college basketball. But when I finish, I either want to go to the WNBA or I want to come back to Europe and continue playing professionally. Or, I mean, I know you said some of your friends did stay in Sweden, played, studied, um, are they still studying? Uh, some of them are, no, some of them are done studying now and they have continued working, you know, started working with what they were studying with. So I would say if the majority of people who stay to study, they usually end up keep playing in Sweden, which is great. You know, they love the sport. They want to continue playing. You can still play in Sweden and we have a league, which is like, it's, it's, a, it's okay leagues. It goes up and down, but there's not like, you know, a lot of money or it's not a great competition, but you could definitely stay there and play and um, study on the side. But people who decide to go to college are usually more focused on the basketball, basketball part and want to, you know, go somewhere with that and continue playing professional afterwards where the Swedish people who stay to study are maybe mostly focusing on the studying and then there is just a great opportunity to be able to still play and enjoy the sport they love. Looking back, do you regret anything or would you do it all over again? Yeah, I don't regret anything. No, um, I do think I'm happy where I'm at now. It's, you know, college is a great time. I love it. And but it was also tough. You know, some parts were hard. But looking back at it, I'm, I'm majority of the things I'm thinking about is like the good things, you know. So I don't think there's anything I would want to do differently like big things no absolutely not like the experience is like you you can't put a price tag on that it's it's not only the basketball but it's not only the fact that you end up getting a degree after playing for four years it's so much more into it and the whole experience and I mean I'm going back to Los Angeles now in a few weeks to visit just because like I want to go back I'm glad that I'm done with college you know I'm done with that chapter because you know it's a it's a great time but I want to make step forwards now I'm a little older um but I I love my experience there. I loved the way I had to grow, the way I had to challenge myself, the way the experiences I got to, at the school. Um, so yeah, it's so much more than just basketball and studying that you're com- committing to. Right. Um, so you went to UCLA for four years and you got your degree, which remind <laughs> me, you got your degree in communications, right? Just yeah. like myself. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um College of Liberal Arts. Yeah. And then you spent one more year at the States and you went to the University of Florida, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. 
So uh, I, since I tore my ACL during my recruiting process, I didn't play my first year at UCLA. I redshirt, which is called like you sit out the first year because I had to rehab. Uh, so uh, because of that, I get a fifth year. And uh, I completed my degree at UCLA f- during my four years there. So I had the option to go somewhere else, get a master, because you couldn't really get a master at UCLA in one year. And the basketball situation wasn't great for me at that point. And I had completed my degree there, which was one of the goals. So I decided to go to University of Florida my last year to get a different basketball experience, get more time on the court and to get a master's degree, which is another great thing. Like I was able to get, uh, I don't know what you call it in Spanish, but yeah, a bachelor's degree and a master in five years, which is rare and yeah, another way just uh, the states could provide you opportunities with. Right, to get your master's and to get it paid for. Uh-huh. Um, I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that have spent a lot of money on their master's degree. So that's great that you were able to use that red shirt year, uh-huh. um, move to a different state, learn a little bit more about the United States, a different place, uh, meet new people. And there at Florida, we also have a friend in common in Kelly yep. Finley, who yes. was one of the assistant coaches who <laughs> Kelly and I played AAU basketball together. So that's just, you know, another small world experience. But um, so now you have your degree and your master's in the States. When you go back to Europe, do you have to do anything to certify your degree so that it's considered uh, that it's accepted in Sweden? Or because I know that some of my Spanish teammates have come back to Spain with their degree from the States and they've had to go through a process to certify their degree. Uh, Yeah, I know that's common too. But therefore, I also took a major in degrees that are kind of broad, you know, communication. It's very broad. Like it's you know, people take um, the same in Sweden. Or uh, I did my master in management, business management, which is also very international. So I've, you know, I've asked people and did some research on it and there's no right or wrong. It's still kind of like in the gray zone, you know, they don't know for sure that you have to certify it. I don't, like, they can't tell me to 100%, like, this is exactly the same as the Swedish universities, but to like 85, 90%, depending on what job you're looking for, it's gonna be valid. It's it's a degree. It's a diploma from two great schools. Like, and since it's very broad, I'm not I'm not worried. Like, I've had friends who you know apply with their degrees and it's no problem because it's it is very international. It would be it would have been different if I would have done uh, politics or poli sci or oh some people do hotel management like something more specific because that's different in the states. But since it's so broad, communication business management there's there shouldn't be no no problem okay well that's good yeah um all right and currently you are currently in your rookie season playing basketball for Manfilter Stadium Casablanca in Spain and you probably have teammates or I know that you have teammates on your team who are still studying and they are 27 28 years old does that surprise you at all no, it doesn't surprise me based on what I know of Sweden. You know, these are Spanish players that play in Spanish league, where and the Spanish league is really good. So, I mean, for them, they could stay here and study. It's a different, different thing compared to Sweden, where the basketball level isn't as high. But no, honestly, it doesn't surprise me. I'm impressed by them. You know, studying. I don't, I'm not sure when exactly they started. I know some of them complete completing their master now. And I mean, 28, 29, they're still relatively young. It's, you know, they're able to combine this and still playing. I just think it's good that they're doing it. Right. Yes, I, w- I would agree. I just think about Spanish players that are 27, 28, still trying to 
finish their degree and back home in the States, usually you're 22 and you have your degree and you're moving on to the next thing. Um, but Paulina, you are 24 mm-hmm. and you have your four-year degree. You have your master's degree. What is next for Paulina Hersler? What do you see yourself doing over the next, I don't know, two, three, four years? That sounds so good when you put it that way. <laughs> Thank you. I'm like, oh, it's true. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. I told myself, I'm like, I'm not going back to school. Like, oh, I'm done, which feels great. But you never know. You never know what happens. Um, but I mean, my plan now is I want to continue playing basketball as long as I can. You know, uh, we get to work with this. We kind of joke about it every day, you know, going to work, but we're going to play basketball. It's what we love to do. So I don't know. I want to continue playing. I do have things I, on the side that I kind of want to do along. Um, should I bring up? For example, <laughs> yes. Let us, let us know what you're doing right now. Well, since we're talking about it here, I do have a podcast as well. Uh, I started it in the beginning of the season. Uh, I told my friends right away, I'm like, I'm going to be so bored. If I play overseas, you know, I'm used to having a busy schedule. I'm a like driven person. I like doing things. So I created a podcast with one of my friends. It's in Swedish, though. So I don't know how many people actually know Swedish, but... Well, hey, in Minnesota, we have a lot of Swedes. So uh, if you say the name slowly in Swedish, maybe someone actually will understand you out there. You're right. You're right. Uh, well, it's called En Boll En Dröm, like drum, like a dream, which is one ball, one dream in English. So, yeah, it's me and my friend, me and my best friend who talks about, we talk about, you know, student athlete things the just this like the combination of studying and playing professional all topics you can think of when it comes to professional athletes sports uh like yeah challenging yourself like everything like we yeah we talk about a lot of things and it's just a side side thing right now but it's i enjoying it and yeah there's a few other projects that i'm trying to start up here and there but my main focus is obviously basketball and I do not know what I want to work with when I'm older, <laughs> when I grow up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when when we're all adults, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> when we're at that point. Um, I hopefully it will plays out, you know, like you find your way there. You, I don't think I will have a regular 9 to 5 job where I'm a teacher, when I'm like a dentist or a doctor, like a typical job you could put a title on. Like, I don't think that will be me, but... Who knows? I like um, I like marketing. I like the business side of things, and like I would love to be an entrepreneur. Um, I like people, like working with people, the social as- aspect of it. Um, I don't know. It's so hard to say, but I'm keeping my doors open and trying a few things on the side in order to maybe find the right path and figure out what I want to do. Well, it sounds like you're on the right path. You're being active. Um, it's all about the journey, so I'm sure uh, I know that your future is bright. But my uh, final question is, um, as we're talking about sports and combining that with studies, um, people in Europe, do you think that it's a challenge or a dilemma for athletes that are making that decision about whether they're going to continue playing at a high level and continue studying or whether they're going to stay in Sweden and maybe not play at the highest level, but then have to 
they still want to keep playing and they have to figure out how to balance sports and school. Is that is that a challenge for people, meaning that it's, you know, something positive and they're aspiring to meet that challenge? Or is it a dilemma where it's kind of a problem and they're they don't really know? And it's like, gosh, if I want to play at a high level and still get my degree, I have to leave home and go so far away. And then for your other friends, um, they just kind of say, well, this is what it is, and I'm not going to focus as much on basketball anymore, and I'm going to focus on my studies. But do you think, um, I think you would probably view it as a challenge because you have that positive mindset. Mm -hmm. But for all of those young girls out there, do you think it's a really kind of a hard decision to make? Yeah, as you mentioned, for me, I saw it as a challenge because I knew what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to play professional basketball at one point. But for most of the girls, I think it's a dilemma for sure. I know in Sweden, I mean, I have friends, they they practice full time, they have works on the side, they study full time, they don't get paid at all, they get nothing, and they're putting their soul, their heart, everything, sweat blood, everything into this, and I mean... Like the same as we're doing technically, but it's in Sweden. So there's there's no able like and we're not even talking about like they don't you know, they're not expected to get any crazy salaries. But it's right now there is actually they're trying to bring up a point about this because the, the men, the men's side is very different in Sweden and in general in sports everywhere. And they can actually, you know, make a living out of it or just, you know, at least you know, enjoy, have a life. But for women, it is very hard if you want to be um, you know, hard working in both in school and on the court, it's hard to even make a living to survive, you know, just playing basketball and studying. So for people, I think it's a dilemma for sure. They have to compromise and somehow, um, fo- like this, make, make a choice of what they want to focus on, what's most important. And if they decide to stay in Sweden, they just have to figure out a way to how to make it work. Um, cause it's not ideal. And I definitely wish there was better, you know, opportunities for for women, especially in Sweden, to just, you know, be able to combine these, but still have a decent life, you know, still be able to actually live a normal life and not have to depend on student financial aid or have 10 different jobs on the side. Like it should be it should be at least an opportunity. Right. I think about a lot of young athletes in the States, they decide to go to college and they have enough to receive a scholarship. Mm-hmm. Um, and majority of student athletes, if they're playing Division One, probably don't get to play in their home state. So they still have to move away from home. However, it's still probably the same time zone. And if it's not, it's only one or two hours different. And it's still usually a pretty similar culture as far as living in the States. Mm-hmm. But for people from Sweden... You're right. It's yeah, they're going away from home, but they're going all the way across the ocean to the other side of the world. And it's a different culture, different language, um, just different cultural norms. And so it's a big step, even if you know that you want to play basketball and you're really passionate about it. It has definitely it has its its mysteries, its um its doubts, um, your nerves, all of that. So I can only congratulate you for making that decision, for making the best of your experience. 
um, and for just kind of taking the bull by its horns uh-huh. and, you know, that cliche saying, but um, you really did. You made the best of your experience and you're a great uh, representative, I think, from Sweden in the States. I'm sure all of your teammates in UCLA and the University of Florida learned a little bit more about Sweden, probably hopefully now know at least where it is on the map. Um, and so I just want to thank you so much for your time and uh, for sharing a little bit about your experience with all of us today. Oh, I enjoyed it. Thank you, Leslie, for having me here. It was an absolute pleasure, Paulina. Thank you so much. No regrets from Paulina Hersler. In fact, she'd do it all again. Her positive, go get em attitude allowed her to become a graduate of UCLA as well as the University of Florida. She truly made the most of her time, athletically and academically. Now that she's got two degrees, she's back in Europe and continuing her basketball career as a professional. She played in Spain her first year, and we'll have to check back in with Paulina to see where year number two leads her. Thanks for listening. I hope you were able to follow along. In the next interview, we'll be back to Espanol. With who? I'll give you a hint. She's from Zaragoza. Before I go, I wanted to let you know that you can follow along via Facebook and Instagram, where I'll be posting pictures of our interviewees. Until next time, adios!